This is an ABC podcast. Amanda Jade Wellington has bowled an absolute peach. One to win for Australia. Kurt of Alani, she hits hard. She gets 50. Take two. Perry with a double hundred in a test match. You're listening to Ladies Who Legspin. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Legspin, an unorthodox delivery of the gentleman's game. I'm Brittany Carter and I just want to paint a picture for you. I'm here sitting in the studio and someone is chewing quite loudly and also mouthing the opener with food in her mouth. Hello, Mary Kay. That's gross. I can't believe you told our listeners that. Look, I am on holidays. We are recording quite early this morning so we can get to the test match. And I had to bring my breakfast in it. Like, kill me, you know? What are you having? Uh, Toast with Vegemite and cheese because I had to make it really quickly (laughs) as I was leaving the house this morning. That sounds delicious. It's okay. It's a bit cold now. But, (laughs) you know, when you're desperate, you're desperate. How are you, Britt? Good. How are you, Mary? I am pretty good. I've been at a lot of cricket over the last couple of days. I don't even know what day it is anymore, but I've been out to the WBBL. I've been to the BBL. I've been to the test. I'm heading back to the test today. And then you and I will be at Blacktown tomorrow with the Thunder and the Stars. And then we'll also be at Bankstown on Sunday for our mascot race with the Thunder and the Stars again. So all cricketed out, then I'll go back to work on Monday and be in a world of pain. (laughs) It never ends. And we should also say a very happy 2019 to all of our listeners. We are in a brand new year, even though the cricket season doesn't stop. Now, Mary, I know you're busy eating your toast, so I'm just going to take everyone through the ICC Women's Cricket Awards of the Year. Thank you. That should give me enough time to finish my toast and then I'll be ready to continue the episode. (laughs) So there were no surprises with Elisa Healy taking out the player of the tournament at the Women's T20 before the Women's Big Bash in 2018, but she was also the ICC Women's T20 International Player of the Year. It's been a massive year for her. And in terms of the one-day game, Smriti Mandana made the most runs, 669, and she was named... ICC Women's ODI Player of the Year, which is the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Award. Also, uh, it's pretty important that we mention England spinner Sophie Eccleston was named ICC Women's Emerging Player of the Year. So some exciting uh, awards given out, I guess, in the last month or so, Mary. And it really means so much to be recognised on the world stage for these women. It really does. And these are names that we're all becoming very familiar with. And it's just, as you mentioned, exciting to see them recognised and see them being recognised for just how talented they are on the field. Now, you've got some really good stats here about why this season of the Women's Big Bash is the best yet. Can you take us through them? I feel like every year it just keeps getting better and I feel like it's no coincidence that that continues to happen given the increased professionalisation of women's cricket. I heard uh, Rachel Haynes speaking at the test on day one and it was interesting. So for those of you who don't know Rachel Haynes' story, we all know that she captained Australia to their Ashes victory last year. But about a year before that, she wasn't actually in the Australian team anymore. And she went to some of her friends at Cricket New South Wales to have a conversation about potentially giving up cricket because she was at sort of a point where she felt she'd achieved everything that she wanted to in the game. And her full-time job in marketing was sort of, the juggle was just becoming a bit too hard. And the people at Cricket New South Wales mentioned to her all these opportunities coming up. And she's like, you know what, maybe I'll stick it out for a bit longer 
And she seemed to think that it was no coincidence that she's been in the best form of her career now that she's able to focus full time on cricket. So for me, the cricket is just going to keep getting better and better. And there are some good stats that sort of demonstrate that. So our average first innings total is almost 20 runs higher this year. And I feel like Brit 160 is sort of the new benchmark now. And some of the teams weren't even coming close to totals like that last year. I think of the Hurricanes, whereas they've been scoring above 160 a couple of times this season, which has been really positive. Absolutely. And it's almost 200 the target if you're at North Sydney. Yeah, definitely. 200 is is. If a team scores 200, it's, it's like not par. like, oh my goodness, that's out of control. It's, oh, that's a really good score. This should be a really competitive chase. So last year, only 17 totals above 150 were scored. After the first 30 games this year, it's been reached 28 times and we're not even halfway through the season yet. Uh, also exciting, I think, is that five centuries have been scored in the first three WBBL seasons and there have already been four this summer as well. So it's just an exciting time to be a lover of women's cricket and to see the game continue to go from strength to strength. It's really exciting that we can come back each season and expect bigger and better each time around. I think I've got Vegemite on my dress. (laughs) It's a white dress too. This is deeply, deeply upsetting. Do you want to tell the listeners about the little owl that's been pestering you too? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Do I want to tell the listeners about this? Uh, yeah, so and then I've... we'll get into the chat about okay. the Women's Big Bash. All right, we're, we're diverging a little bit this morning, but sure, why not? So I'm not sure how many of our listeners are bilingual, but I am. So I speak English, sometimes not too well, but I also <laughs> speak a little bit of Greek because that's my background. I've always been quite good at talking because I speak with my grandparents, uh, but reading and writing is a skill that I lost a little while ago. I used to go to Greek school. Uh, So halfway through last year, I decided I wanted to pick up my Greek again. So I downloaded an app called Duolingo. It's an excellent app if anyone out there wants to learn a second language. But uh, there's a pesky little green owl that is the uh, like the uh, mascot for the app. (laughs) And if you don't do your lesson first thing in the morning, you get emails and notifications. So this morning in between eating my toast and trying to wake up, I was also doing my Greek lesson. So the little green owl wouldn't be upset at me. And you finish them in the studio. I did finish them in the studio. (laughs) Can we please talk about cricket? I'm deeply, deeply embarrassed about where this episode has gone. (laughs) Okay, now there have been so many games since we last recorded before the new year. I think like 15 games. Honestly, it's been mental. It would be impossible for us to go through each one of them in depth. Not impossible, just devastatingly boring for (laughs) for all our listeners. So instead, what we're going to do is talk about the competition where we're at in terms of the ladder and uh, what each team needs to do in terms of making the finals. Now, when we have a look at the ladder, it hasn't changed that much in that time, Mary. We've still got the sixes in the top two, actually at the top of the ladder at the moment. Sydney Thunder second, Brisbane Heat still in third. But where we get interesting, I guess, in the scheme of things is fourth, fifth, sixth place. So the Perth Scorchers have jumped up and they now sit fourth. And the Melbourne Renegades and Melbourne Stars are in fifth and sixth, respectively. Those three teams have sort of been jumping around probably, yeah, since we last recorded. They have been. And I think it's interesting for our listeners to note as well that uh, the games are not consistent. So there are a couple of teams that have played, say, two more games than other teams. I think the Strikers are in that category, Brittany, that they've played far less games than some of the other teams. So the latter is a lot closer than what it looks. And in my thinking, 
If you're in the top five at the moment, you've still got an opportunity to play finals. The strikers, I wouldn't completely rule them out, but I think the stars would really need to align for that to happen. And I'd just like to blow a raspberry at you, Brittany, because you (laughs) were boasting at the start of the season about how they were going to make finals. My tip's looking better, actually, with the Renegades currently sitting in fifth place and still looking pretty strong and coming into form at the right time of the season. This is what you get for gloating. Yes. I We're going to chat to Alex Price later on from the strikers. So maybe you can ask her what's happened there, but you're right. I think it'll be really difficult for them to make the top four and head into semis now. Hobart Hurricanes, again, uh, they have to be out of the equation considering they've played 11 matches too, and they only won two of them. So It's quite interesting when you think about the Hobart Hurricanes and their history in the Women's Big Bash because the first two seasons they made the semis and the last two seasons they've finished last. And I know that they've had a coach change this year in particular, but it is quite interesting, Mary. Yeah, it is. I think what's been hard for me with the Hurricanes this year is that they have been so much better and there have just been a couple of games, as I've mentioned several times, that they really could have won. Like I go back to that game against the Scorchers where they lost in they lost in the Super Over, but 17 runs were hit off the final over. That shouldn't be happening. A catch was dropped in that final over too. So the game was really taken out of their hands. And if they'd won, say, two or more games, they'd be in a very, very different position. I think they'll continue to improve. But uh, yeah, the other teams have just improved a little bit more than they have. It's crazy though, considering we were just talking about the totals they've been able to make, but there's been a few games where they've lost by the skin of their teeth, like two, one run, 10 runs, nothing at all. The strikers are a team like that as well. Like I feel like they've lost a couple of close games and it really is the nature of this competition in that almost any team can beat any other team on their day. So the teams are quite evenly matched and sometimes it really does come down to that final over and you've really got to be on your game. I think it's really exciting because it means even though there is a bit of a discrepancy between those top five, six teams and the bottom two, that we're definitely getting closer in terms of the quality that we can expect in in this league. And we haven't seen the Sydney Sixers do it easy this year either. I don't think any team has done it easy this season. And if you think about the Sixers, they had a big loss to the Sydney Thunder a couple of days ago. But I think that loss sort of reinforced to me what I've been saying for the whole summer in that the Sixers are a very strong team, but I think they've been very, very heavily dependent on Elise Perry and Elisa Healy. So if those two get out cheaply, like we saw them get out against the Sydney Thunder the other day. So I think Elise got out for nine and Elisa got out for 13, or it was the other way around. I think it really rattles the remainder of the order. And unless Ash Gardner goes big, and she hasn't really gone big this summer, if we're talking honestly, then the Sixers really struggle. In a way, their success at the top has almost hindered them in that the lower order batters really haven't got the same experience as, say, your Thunder or your Heat or your Scorchers. Well, we spoke about that during the Women's World T20 as well, because Elisa Healy was at the top of the order and she did so much of the work with the bat. When she got out cheaply, our, you know, sort of middle order didn't look as comfortable as normal and query whether that's because they hadn't had the opportunity to play. Yeah, so sixes are still at the top of the ladder. But like we say, there was a, a loss that I witnessed at Hurstville, and I think you were there too, to Brisbane by 66 runs. So that was a pretty heavy defeat. And Sammy then- Joe was on fire oh that day. Goodness. She scored her first half century in the WBBL, and I was so happy for her. Like, good on her. With the ball too. She took a few wickets, but... I mean, even thinking back to that Thunder and Sixers game, I think that one's really key in terms of the ladder at this point, considering they're both right in the top two. 
And for and shout out to Lisa Griffith who took Healy and Perry in the same over. For the Thunder to get rid of the Sixers for such a low total and Marianne Cap had to really bat hard to to even get them to a respectable total for the Thunder to chase. That was pretty what's the word? Surprising, I guess, in terms of where we're at in the competition so close to the semifinals. It was a really odd pitch that day and it was quite low and slow and the ball wasn't bouncing. So I sort of wasn't surprised to see Elisa and Elise get out so quickly because it's rare that we see pitches like that. But the remainder of the batters just didn't seem to learn until it came to Lauren Smith and Marianne Cap, who both sort of held their own and were the reason that the Sixers were able to reach 98. Mm, and there was talk about whether the Thunder learnt from that or whether they just, you know, came out and had a better day. But it was very interesting, certainly, that mix-up. Now let's talk about the Thunder. They're sitting in second spot and... The only reason they're really sitting there at the moment is because they've played one less game than the Sixers and therefore had the opportunity to win one less game. Their net run rate is actually better than the Sixers. So it's good signs for them with four games to come. Doesn't surprise me that their net run rate is better than the Sixers, particularly given how they beat the Sixers the other day. The Thunder have had a couple of losses since we last met against the Perth Scorchers, but they were quite close losses. What I've actually really liked about the Thunder recently, though, is that Lisa Griffith has come into the attack, and I think she's taken at least two wickets in every single game that she played, and we already mentioned in that win against the Sixers, she took two key wickets in Elise Perry and Elisa Healy. So the Thunder have made the semis every season except the second season. The Sixers have always been there. Uh, Brisbane Heat, who we mentioned, are in third spot. They haven't made the semis before and they're very close to hanging on to a spot in that third position. Yeah, they are. And the Brisbane Heat finally have listened to me about some consistency. (laughs) And it seems that they are now actually stringing a few wins together, which is really positive for them. And I've thoroughly enjoyed watching Sammy Jo Johnson batting third in the order. I've really enjoyed Grace Harris. We know that she scored a fantastic century earlier in the summer, the fastest WBBL century that we've seen. And it just seems to be coming together for them, which is really positive. They also did lose a game to the Hurricanes in the lead up to our recording, though. So they're still unable to keep full dominance, I guess. But it but is can re- any team? Well, that's I mean, what I was just going to say. It's really difficult to do in this competition, considering the stakes are so high and it's the unpredictability of the format. Definitely. What about the Perth Scorchers? Interesting team, very Mm. interesting team. So Meg Lanning has been in very good form. She scored a couple of scores above 70 since returning from injury. And I think it's just highlighted to me just sort of how dependent the Scorchers are on her for her batting because we know that they were struggling to get their totals going when she was out injured. Uh, They've got some really talented players. We know that Heather Graham has been in wonderful form both with the bat and with the ball in hand. And fourth, like that's where we were sort of expecting them to be. We were expecting them to be in that top four. So hopefully they continue with this good form. Hopefully Meg Lanning stays uninjured and we see them playing finals. Yeah, but also Nicole Bolton did amazing in that super over where they played the Canes too. So they have got stocks there. It's just about performing, I guess. Uh, Their next three games are against the Sixers and then two games against the Strikers. And I feel like... They're capable of beating the strikers, but the Sixers is a bit of a question considering they lost their second game to them. Yes, but we've also seen the Sixers lose a couple of games. So I'm actually really looking forward to this matchup and I think it should give us a really good indication of where these teams are at. So the Perth Scorchers hoping to get into the final that they've been in the last two seasons. And then the Stars and Renegades 
I find it really interesting that neither of the Melbourne teams have made the semis before. Ever? Ever. Fascinating. Mm. Uh, Look, we've spoken about the Melbourne Stars before and I feel like a similar pattern is forming for them this year in that if Lizelle Lee does not score a big score, they really struggle. And I've got to be honest here, there are a couple of batters for them that have not performed this season. Thinking about Angie Reeks, who I think has struggled this year, and also Katie Mack. Like, she was the Mack attack last year and one of my most favourite, dynamic, exciting players to watch. She just hasn't lived up to that this season. In saying that, I was looking at Angie Reeks' stats for this weekend where we're going to be at the game against the Thunder. She's actually scored her highest score ever in Big Bash because she's come from the Sixers before. So it's a bit of a different role up the order too, but... It is a question about whether she should be there that with Lizelle Lee. Yeah. Uh, in saying that also, Osborne has done really well and Mignon Dupree has also done pretty well. But, yeah, there's sort of questions around the rest of it and whether they've got their order right, I guess. It's going to be a big weekend for Erin Osborne as well because in the Stars' last game against the Renegades, she actually dropped Sophie Molyneux twice who then went on to score above 70 in that game. So for Erin, she really needs to put that behind her and focus on the challenge which is coming this weekend against the Thunder. Oh, I'm cringing. That's never good. Uh, Never good. (laughs) All right. Now, stick around. We are going to chat with Alex Price from the Strikers. I can't wait. I love her so much. (laughs) And then there's going to be a little chat, another Around the World segment with someone from Cricket Germany. But after that, when we wrap the show, I'm going to quiz Mary about the leading players when it comes to the stats in the Women's Big Bash. If she hasn't embarrassed me enough on this episode, let the embarrassment continue and enjoy the interviews. G'day, Megan Shoot here. When I'm not on the field, I practice my banter with ladies who leg spin. Someone that's become pretty famous for her banter in the Women's Big Bash this year is Strikers off spinner Alex Price. Alex, welcome to Ladies Who Leg Spin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. It's been so good to hear you mic'd up on the field for commentary this season. Tell us, how many times would you say mate on a daily basis? (laughs) I think I just do that um, when I'm a bit nervous or on the cricket field. I think I turn into some person that's that's the only thing I say and I think it's a shame as well about 800 times. So I think um, those two words are... I just can't stop saying <laughs> Don't worry, Alex. We totally sympathise with you. So there are certain words that Brittany and I say when we're recording this show and we're like, oh, no, we're not meant to say those words. But I have to say my favourite um, session of you being mic'd up was when you said the word dodecahedron and the commentators were just like, what is going on? And then later the story came out about your strikers' teammates giving you three different words to say each time. <laughs> Oh, that that word was probably one of the hardest. I don't. I can't believe I didn't get poppycock in. But <laughs> <laughs> I think I said dohecahedron or something. So I, I even um, mispronounced the word because I was trying to think of my fields and bowling. But then I also was trying to think of what <laughs> Sophie Devine had set up for me. And I was just, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough. <laughs> Talking about Sophie Devine, tell us a little bit about the headband challenge that seems to be taking the women's big bash by storm. Yeah, she. Um, I, I think she was just sitting at home one night and was just like, I, th- I want to do something pretty cool. And um, she really liked the headband and wanted other people to get on board. And, um, yeah, she's being really generous. And, um, and yeah, so she's trying to get a lot of people to um, jump on board and wants to give quite a bit of money away to the charity of the player's choice. Um, I think that's, it's such a cool idea. And um, using her, someone like her profile and her platform, 
um, in the women's game to um, give back to the community, I think, yeah, that's probably, it's a really awesome um, idea and a very generous idea from Soph. Yeah, she's donated a fair bit of money too, so good on her. Um, Alex, I've heard that you're a bit of an Elise Perry in the fact that you're quite good at football and also <laughs> cricket, but you had to give up football to pursue cricket. I wouldn't say I'm an Elise Perry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are saying that. Yeah, we're saying that. You don't have to. It's okay. <laughs> um, no, but, yeah, I really enjoyed football. It was um, probably my favourite sport growing up. Um, I am the biggest Port fan you'll ever meet Um, and yeah I just had to make a choice one day and um, it just turned out to be cricket because of I think um, the pathway that cricket had and football didn't and I had some of my really good mates playing cricket and I couldn't really um, walk away from them so (laughs) um, I I just chose cricket and I really do like the um, tactical side of cricket as well so I think those are probably the main reasons that I didn't play football but I still love football and um, still go to the footy all the time. We're very glad that you chose cricket, Alex. Now, (laughs) the vibe in the Strikers team still seems to be really positive and really happy and having a good time despite the fact that you guys probably aren't sitting in the position on the ladder that you would have hoped for at this point of the season. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are. Good answer. Yeah, we are. Um, it's funny, we've had a really funny season. We've lost probably three games that we thought as a team we probably should have won and if we win those three or four games, we're, we're not sitting as sad on the ladder as we are at the moment. Um, so I, I don't think we've had the best season ever but we also haven't had the worst season. I think we, we just needed a couple of results to go our way and um, even still we need, like if we can win the rest of our games, we aren't too far away from the top. So I think everyone's trying to keep a really positive outlook because we haven't played um, the worst cricket ever. So everyone's trying to be up and about. And um, it's pretty easy to do that when you've got people um, like Susie Bates and Sophie Devine and Megan Shoot. <laughs> so it's pretty easy to be able to like get up and be ready to go to training and like really want to um, take on the the next game. I think that's sort of the nature of the competition though, Alex, and that it's very sort of up and down. Another team I sort of think about are the Hobart Hurricanes, who have only yeah. won two games. But like they lost a game in the super over, they lost a game on the final ball. If those results yeah. had gone a different way, they would yeah. potentially also still be in the mix as well. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, a lot of those girls too are really good fun and they enjoy their cricket and um I, the big bash is such a um up and down competition that one day you beat the the best team in the league and the next day you might lose a game you thought you might have uh, won. So, yeah, it's a really up and down competition and anyone can win it this year especially. Um, you've obviously got the Sixers who, who are very strong but they've also lost games this year. So, yeah, I, I think anyone can win it on their day and anyone can take games from each other. Alex, I count you as a pretty integral part of the strikers' bowling attack, but you've only bowled in four of the matches that you guys have played this year. Has yeah. this have the strikers been relying on pace as more of a tactic? I've noticed that Coit, Shoot, uh, Divine, and McGrath have all bowled a lot in in those yeah. nine games. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can't blame the bowling Coit <laughs> because she keeps going for about five runs of her four <laughs> overs. So I just, yeah, she's, I just, I'm like, mate, you just come back for 
two months and you just roll your arm over and do that, which is awesome. <laughs> but, um, no, I think, I, I think we try and do it on a um, personnel basis. So we, we look at the, the teams and um, obviously Susie and um, Shu, who are our leader, um, two leaders, they, we all look at who, who we're going to come up against. And um, I can safe, safely say that I'm pretty glad I didn't bowl against um, Core. Uh, <laughs> so. Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I think it's kind of like horses for courses a bit. Um, but, and I'm always ready to have a bowl. But, yeah, it's that, I think that's the main thing that's going on at the moment. Now, Alex, you know that Brittany and I are from Sydney, so we love the thunder, but we've also got a really big soft spot for the strikers. So we've had a yeah. chat to some of your teammates and they've come Brilliant. up with some questions for us to ask you. Yeah. All right. Well, who is it? Who's dubbed we can, me in? We can't tell you. Look, we'll ask you the right. questions and then you can have a guess at the end as okay. to who's dubbed you in. The sure. first one is from me, though. I'd really okay. like to know why you got rid of the rat's tail. That was such an integral part of your game last year. Well, okay. Um, I had the rat's tail for two years, playing um, for the strikers and I wasn't bowling as well as I could have been and I got really um, superstitious last year <laughs> and I was like, why isn't the ball coming out of my hand properly? And then I was like, oh my goodness. And then I traced back and <laughs> it has to be the rat's tail. So I had to get rid of it. Well, that makes <laughs> sense. I really liked it, but mum didn't like it as much. So <laughs> she was pretty happy to see that go. Uh, okay, next question. Um, who is your favourite character on Geordie Shore and why? Who <laughs> up on this one? Oh, my goodness. I love um, Lani from Geordie Shore. Um, I just think she's just such a nice girl. No, <laughs> no I, I do think she's quite pretty. Um, but, yeah, yeah. That is the biggest stitch up of all time. <laughs> I won't that... say why they stitched that one up. <laughs> I'm glad that we do our research well. Okay, I've got to ask you now. That what... was Megan Shoot or Sarah Coit, surely. All right, you've, you've got that. It was Megan Shoot that, that gave us that one. <laughs> um, um, what is your favourite flavour of chips? We hear you're a big chippy fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, honey, chicken chips. I, that is, is, that's my kryptonite. I am shocking. I cannot. Stay away from them. If I, I can't really do the shopping because I'll end up coming home with way too many. And yeah, it's shocking. Um, but that is <laughs> that's going to be Tali McGraw. Is it Mary? Uh, yeah. Yeah, look, I think it was actually. Yeah. There are a couple of girls that we went to, so I think Talia contributed <laughs> that one. <laughs> that is yeah, great. <laughs> Tell us about Steph Defara. Is she a good dancer? <laughs> um, well, she's always she doesn't have the moves that I have. Um, <laughs> Look, um, you and know, how do you know that, Alex? How do you know yeah. that she doesn't have the moves that you do? Under 15s, we had a dance off. Um, I think it was under 15s. Um, we was raining, the game was rained off, and we ended up in each other's change rooms like the New South girls and the SA girls. And <laughs> the music was playing, and it was calling both of our names apparently. And <laughs> we couldn't really say no, but I think I kind of freaked her out with some of my ridiculous dance moves i've got some really unique ones um <laughs> yeah so that's kind of how i first met steph and um 
where the dancing really started. <laughs> I love that you were on opposing teams as well, but yeah. the dance just couldn't keep you apart. No, it couldn't. Um, <laughs> I And she was doing the worm and I thought, yeah, I can do that. And I'm pretty sure I really hurt myself. But, oh, Alex. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've, you just do it. You do it for the uh, dance off. I'm going to ask Steph Defara for a video of that. Now, my next question, Alex, is, is it true that you are a child model? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I did it once. I didn't, I wasn't like, the typical child model. Um, every other young girl got paid like you normally would if you were going to be a child model, but I got paid in cheeseburgers. <laughs> This <laughs> <laughs> says a lot about me and how much of an athlete I've always been. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that is and um, that is definitely Talia McGrath who stitched me up there. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, I've seen on your Instagram that right before the season started, the blue floppies were really popular among the strikers' yeah. camp. Yeah. How come we haven't seen many of them on the field? Um, that's because of sponsors. So uh, we're actually not allowed to wear them on game day because they don't have the sponsors, um, like the main partner sponsors. We can't wear them um, on game day for TVs or that's a um, shame. All of that, yeah, it is a shame. They look wonderful. Yeah, they do look <laughs> cool, don't they? I'm, I'm sure Lisa Lani's really upset about it. Yeah, I'm sure she is because she's <laughs> yeah. the queen of the floppy hats. So yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah, she's she's. Um, always wearing that so I can imagine she'd be very very upset about it. I've also noticed that you've got a brown spotted Dalmatian just like Grace (laughs) Harris now did you know that she had one as well? No I didn't know she had one. You might have to bond over that. (laughs) Yeah well mine mine we just cannot simply cannot be trained she is (laughs) four and I just we just can't train her she just runs away we'll take her to the beach and she's gone so she sounds a bit like you Alex she sounds like she's taken after her own or a bit actually <laughs> maybe so but I, I don't yeah I get a little bit cross with her from time to time but she's so cute. So, it's so hard to stay mad at her for too long. She is very cute. I can confirm that. Now, I have got one more serious question for oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, in the 2015-16 summer, I know that you were the Karen Rolton medalist, uh, yep. which is the best female player in Premier Cricket. But yep. I wanted to know, is it really cool having received that medal and then now being able to play at Karen Rolton Oval? Because that's brand new as of this year. Or yep. last year, actually. <laughs> 2018. Yeah. yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, look, like she's one of the greatest cricketers of all time, and to be able to um, win a medal like that and then play um, at that oval, it's pretty special. And I think all the girls that have played um, at Karen Rolton Oval really liked it, and it's got a really cool atmosphere. And um, yeah, the change rooms and the facilities are awesome. So the Saka have done. Um, really well with what they've provided and it's only fitting to have named it the uh, Karen Rolton Oval but I think uh, Shirley Nitschke is kind of waiting for where her oval will go. (laughs) That's a fair call, a very fair call. Alex, thank you so much for your time. We think you are a bloody superstar on and off the field and we wish you all the best for the rest of the summer and hope to catch up soon. Um, You might want to say hello to your teammates, Tabby Savile, Talia (laughs) McGrath, Megan Shute and Amanda Jade Wellington. Just I don't know why you'd want to do that, but you may just want (laughs) to. I might go and knock on their doors and wake them up this morning. (laughs) I think that's a great idea. No worries, Alex. Good luck with the commentary. Yes, thank you.
In our first instalment of Cricket Around the World, we took you to South America. But today we're heading to Europe, where women's cricket is on the rise too. Our guest is Monica Loveday from Cricket Germany, a playing member of the national team and also a development officer. Good morning. I should say good evening, Monica. <laughs> good morning or good evening. Well, it's morning here in Sydney, but yes, it's late at night for you over in Germany. Yes, it is. That's true. It's half past ten here. so We're all on holidays, so who knows what time it is or what day it is. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's right. Now, you work, as I mentioned, as a development officer for Cricket Germany. Can you tell us a little bit about your role? Yeah, well, it's it's basically, well, my new role is I'm the vice president of the German Cricket Federation since November. Wow. Um, with, the emphasis, with the emphasis on women's cricket. So I basically try to develop um, women's cricket in Germany. So with the help, of course, of, uh, of the clubs and try to encourage them and organize um, various... Um, days where people can try out cricket or women can and girls can try out um, and then I organize everything to do with the national team as well. I do not play any longer. Oh. I've retired um, a while ago but I, I'm sort of the manager so I organize the national the, the team training and um, yeah everything around that the travel. Monica how did you come to fall in love with cricket or get a role in cricket or decide to start playing cricket? <laughs> well, um, I used to live uh, in England for a while. That makes sense. Um, yeah, that's where the surname comes from as well. Yeah, just yeah, fell in love with cricket, tried something new. Um, I mean, I grew up in, in Germany, so as a kid I used to play handball and uh, football. And then when I went to England, um, I mean, they didn't know what handball was. And... Um, <laughs> Football wasn't quite like yeah um, my level either, so I was like to try new things, and it was cricket, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. People might be surprised to know that in the European continent, there are a few countries where women's cricket is growing faster than men's cricket, and one of them is Germany, Monica. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, we do grow a lot. Um, women's cricket has really taken off. I mean, if I say really taking off um, compared to the um, traditional cricket countries, we're still really small, um, but it has grown a lot. Um, um, then there's the Netherlands, who are really, they're still uh, a step ahead of us. Um, and then, of course, um, the nearest ones, uh, um, Scotland and Ireland, that would be the next steps before it's England. <laughs> but on continental Europe, um, I think it's at the moment um, the Netherlands and Germany, and then there's there's a big of a bit of a gap between for other countries. Then there was an exciting announcement in November where the German women's cricket team now has made an agreement with the ICC that they'll play in ICC competitions next summer for the first time. That's really exciting. Oh yes, definitely. Uh, that's super exciting. Um, we worked really hard on that for, for the last uh, few years. Um, I mean, there are some requirements you have to meet. Um, for example, you have to have a certain number of, of teams playing domestically. Um, and we managed to hit that now. And um, 
I think we've proven with, with our performances that we are um, ready to take that step. So we're now going to play the first um, round of qualifying in um, La Manga in Spain in June, end of June. Monica, that is so exciting. Can you tell us about some of the female players in the national team? Any characters, any superstars that we should be keeping an eye out for? <laughs> Ooh, superstars. I will be, or characters. Um... <laughs> There's got to be a character. Come on. <laughs> oh, we've got a few characters. Um, we've got Sh- Steffi, um, who's been around for a long time now. Uh, I think from the start. We started with the national team in... 2009, so we're still pretty young, and uh, yeah, Steffi Frohnmeier, so really German, she learned her cricket uh, at a school in, in Germany, in deepest Bavaria, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and she's been around the world as well, um, she's been to South Africa a few times and played there a bit uh, while studying. She's a middle-order batsman and um, probably second-change bowler. Monica, um, it also looks like there's some young players in the team as well. I'm just looking at the photos. Yeah. We've got a couple of girls, um, the sisters, from um, a little village on the Baltic coast. Um, the older sister is 18 and the younger one is uh, 15. Wow. So, um I mean, that's a really uh, nice story because that village is really small. They only have a, a women's team in the club. Uh, I love so that. That's all there is. <laughs> yeah. they, they basically have taken over the football pitch. There's no football <laughs> team anymore in that village. Uh, and the girls took over that football p- uh, pitch uh, to play cricket on. And it was initially a Kiwi who was there in that village who taught them. Oh, and that's wow. how they all started to play. Monica, who has been the driving force of uh, women's cricket in Germany so far? Quite a few girls. Um, I mean, some of the national team players themselves um, are actually driving force in the clubs um, because they often train their, their own teams um, and like do all the... Um, organizing and, and the uh, advertising to actually attract new players. So it, it's a number of people that have been contributing to the growth. Obviously in Australia, one of the big competitions that's really pushed women's cricket has been the Women's Big Bash. And I know you're a big watcher of that yourself. Would a player <laughs> from Cricket Germany being picked up by this league, whether it was even just on an ICC rookie contract, would that do a lot for cricket in Germany to help it? It would certainly be a, a role model. Um, I'm not sure how far it would help um, overall cricket in Germany, but as a, as a role model, it would be um, fantastic. <laughs> um, it would certainly drive it on, yes. Do you have a team in the Women's Big Bash? Uh, actually, uh, Thunders. Us too, <laughs> us too. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, um, um, the general manager and I, we went to uh, Australia last winter. Uh, our, our, well, we went all over. The general manager is uh, English, really, by birth. So we went for the Ashes. We went to um, to Adelaide first, and then to um, we went for a few days to Sydney, and we spent some time, um, well, a weekend at um, the North Sydney Oval. And so the opening weekend of the Women's Big Bash. 
We were there too. We oh. missed you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was great. It was a really good experience. Monica, is there anything that people in Australia can do to sort of support the growth of cricket in Germany, especially for women and girls? I think advertising um, or, or even thinking about that there is cricket in Germany helps. Um, I mean, it, it's like this. Um, when we were at the um, North uh, Sydney Oval, uh, we actually had the Germany flag out and it got loads of attention. And people always saying, well, didn't know that there's cricket in Germany. And yes, there is cricket in Germany. <laughs> uh, and so the, the, the most people can do is really advertise it and make sure that as many people as possible know about it. Um, because it does go around and um, we have in Germany um, at least two or three Australian girls who now live in Germany and play cricket here. Um, but it's always a thing that it, it takes a while because they don't know about it and not looking for it. Well, Monica, thank you for all the outstanding work that you have done for cricket in Germany and thank you for chatting with us this morning. We will do our best to continue to fly that flag and please keep in touch with us. Um, and we wish you all the very best for the upcoming seasons and we can't wait to see German players hopefully playing in the WBBL one day. <laughs> that would be great, yes. Thanks, Thanks Monica. Thanks very much for the time. Ich bin Monika Lafday vom Deutschen Cricketbund und ihr hört Lady Fulexpin. Mary, I'm going to post you a challenge considering you're using this Greek app every day and getting better at speaking the language every day. I want you by the end of this recording season for Lady Fulexpin to be able to record a sting for us in Greek. I think I can definitely almost do it now. I just don't know the Greek word for cricket. Okay. Well, so that's... once I learn the Greek word for cricket, then I'll be able to do it for you. As if you haven't got enough on your plate of just giving you another no, goal. No, that's okay. I can come up with that pretty easy. I don't think they really play cricket in Greece, but maybe that's a country to add to our list. You could head there and start it. We could come <laughs> yeah, to sure. you for around the Mom, world. Mum, Dad, I'm quitting my job. I'm heading to Greece to start the development of cricket and I can't play. You never know. But I'm taking my little <laughs> grain owl with me. Okay. Now, those of you who have stuck around to hear Mary's quiz... You must be a really loyal listener. I think it's been a good episode. There were wonderful <laughs> interviews. What are you talking about? They were, but I mean, would you sort of cut out after that? No. No? I'd keep okay, going. All right. Who do you think has scored the most runs in the competition so far? I'm going to say considering she scored two centuries and a couple of half centuries, it's got to be Elise Perry from the Sydney Sixers. Okay, correct. 537 all up. Who's just behind her? That is a very good question. Would you like a clue? Yes, I would, please. This is obvious, but they share the same name. Elise Volani? Yes. There you go. 390. Who's behind that? Is it close after that? Elisa Healy on mm -hmm. 341. So there is a little bit of a gap, about 50 runs there, but yeah. I feel like Meg Lanning would be up there had she not gotten injured. Mm, she's quite low down the list, but Had she not right. been injured, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, now in terms of high scores, who has the highest score? Grace Harris, right? Nope, Elisa Healy. Oh, she does too, A of late course. contender. A very late <laughs> contender. Grace Harris second though, right? Ooh, no, she's actually fifth. So it goes Elisa Healy, 112 not out. That's yes. at Hurstville Oval. We know she likes playing there. She got a century there last season. Elise Perry behind her, 103 not out. Lizelle Lee, 102 not out. 
Uh, Perry again, 102 not of out. Of course, because Grace ended up finishing on 100 unbeaten because of Beth Mooney. And yes, yes. I remember so now. So Grace is 101 not out. But yes. to be fair, that was the end of the match. So she could have kept going. Yes, she got could, higher. but anyway. Okay. One to remember. She can go better than that, I reckon, too. Highest average with the bat. Elise Perry, it's got to be. Yep, absolutely. She's had a number of, of unbeaten scores. So. so her average is 76.71. Bananas. That is very impressive. Now her partner in crime, Elise Villani, is second again. 48.75. There's a big difference there. There is. Well done, Elise Perry. When it comes to the most wickets, we're going bowling stats now. I want to say Heather Graham. She's tied top. Okay. Well done. Uh, hmm. Who else has been taking a lot of wickets lately? Uh, hmm. Would you like a clue? Yes, please. This team is not currently in the top four. How about, oh, I really don't know. Can I have a team? She's been fooled by Elise Villani on the uh, Southern Stars bus before. Molly Strano from yes. the Renegades. Yes. Interesting. That makes sense because I remember she took three wickets recently. So that's great to hear for Molly. Her best figures so far has been four for 21. Uh, but you're right. She's right at the top with Heather Graham. They both have 18 wickets. And behind those two is Staff Taylor on 15. And it sort of peters down one after that for the rest of them. So, yeah, interesting there. Now, the next one comes to wicket-keeping, most dismissals. I have no idea. Can I have a team? I want to say Elisa Healy. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm looking at you like. Yeah, okay. Just, just that was the guess. obvious answer, but yeah, okay. <laughs> She's made 13 dismissals all up. Behind her is Teague McFarlane from the Strikers on mm-hmm. 10, and then Beth Mooney and Georgia Redmayne both share third spot with nine dismissals. And there's one more. And it comes uh, in the fielding domain. Who do you think's taken the most catches so far? I can think of some great catches that we've had. Can I have a team? Yes, they are a team that is coming last on the ladder. Really? Mm. That's fast. No, I've got no idea who it is from the Hobart Hurricanes. Heather Knight has taken nine catches. Ah, Actually, okay. in the top five with her is her teammate, Corinne Hall, who has taken seven. Uh, and she's equal second with Hummerpreet Kaur and Nicola Carey. So two Sydney Thunder women in there. Great. That's what I like to hear. That is the end of the quiz. You did very well. I think I did quite well. I'm surprised. Yes, you did fantastically. Now, don't forget, as we mentioned, we will be at the Sydney Thunder and Melbourne Stars games at Blacktown on Saturday. And Bankstown and on Bankstown Sunday. And on Sunday. Come along and watch us be in the mascot race and make a fool of ourselves if you like. Feel like they can come and watch us make fools of ourselves almost anywhere we go. In it doesn't need to life. be at Bankstown on Sunday, but please come along. Now, Mary's finished her toast, so that must mean we are at the end of the episode. It didn't take me that long to eat my toast. <laughs> Far out, I'm quite a greedy person. I finished it within like five minutes. I was shoving it down my throat. Hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find us on iTunes and the ABC Listen Up. Interact with us on Twitter. Now, are you going to say goodbye to our friends? I sure am. You've been listening to Ladies Who Leg Spin. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.